Welcome to the Monday Mobile Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and with me today are... Hey, it's Charles Balkan. And David Milne. It is episode 21 of the Monday Mobile Podcast, and today we will be talking about Durango Wildlands, an MMORPG created by Nexon. And uh, we will also be talking about MMOs in general on mobile and what we think can work on mobile for MMORPGs. Uh, So, David, let's start with you. How was your experience with Durango Wildlands? It was great. It was perfect. Nothing went wrong at all. (laughs) Excellent. I'm just kidding. I got a bug in the tutorial and uh, was unable to really play much of this game at all actually. Uh, So my opinions are going to be based on a couple of YouTube videos that I watched (laughs) of the (laughs) gameplay uh, and just kind of uh, relating that, I guess, to other um, other kind of MOBA-like experiences I've played on mobile. I will say that, and I mean, it was was pretty early um, when it broke for me. Like, it was in the first island after you're off the train um it wanted me to build a hatchet and um which is kind of like the second or third i think kind of crafting thing that it has you do in the tutorial and uh it thought that i had a rock and i didn't have a rock and i tried to get a rock and i couldn't get a rock so so yeah, that was pretty much my experience overall. Uh, what I will say about it is that, um, and maybe maybe it get you guys can tell me if it kind of gets better or not. Uh, but the certainly as part of the initial experience, um, every action requires probably about two or three more button presses than it probably needs to. And given how much I think you're crafting and going to be in and out of menus in a in a uh, MOBA game like this, because it is uh, sort of a survival game as well, um, that's just going to get tedious. I mean, I I wasn't even that far into the uh, into the game itself before just how much upkeep and uh, menu traversal I was doing was starting to really really kind of wear down on me. Um, Having said that, uh, I kind of like the the art style. Like it's it's a pretty game. Everything's kind of desaturated. Maybe there could be a bit more color in it, but I kind of like the art style, and and I certainly like the idea of um, of kind of being able to explore this world with uh, with a bunch of other characters. Um, I certainly appreciated uh, that they called out the resources on the map. Like if you're actually looking at the game stream itself, it just tells you, it just tells you, uh, you know, what it is, um, you know, whether or not you can interact with it. Um, which I guess actually maybe isn't quite a good thing because it's necessary for them to call it out because when you're looking at the screen, it's not entirely clear what you could or could not interact with. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of from from the fifteen minutes I was or ten minutes I guess I was able to play of it. That's too too much menu upkeep, and the screen is kind of cluttered. I guess. Charles, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, attempt 
at an MMO RPG survive em up button pressing UI game. <laughs> um, I've played this a fair amount. Uh, I, I sat down and listened to some podcasts while playing this uh, on a Saturday and Sunday, and um, actually had a really good time with it. Um, I didn't like it at all at first. I had exactly the same issues. Um, I'll temper my criticism uh, with those things by saying that I think they did a reasonable job in the user experience side of adding enough shortcuts that once you're used to it become very natural um specifically you know when you're crafting the same thing over and over again um you've got a button on the screen that will take you right there i think all the button this always happens in in game development where some people want to have you know, the screen completely devoid of any UI. They try and make it not look like a game. And the other side that just wants buttons everywhere so that everything is one tap away. Uh, I think this game did a pretty nice job of balancing between those two things. I feel like I'm exploring around an area. Um, once you get into the core loop, the core loop can be completed you know like every couple of minutes or so um i i think they've done a really interesting job in systems designing something that's crafting kind of survival based and kind of rpg fetch, fetch questing that is well laid out in progression and what i mean by that is you're always able to get infinite fetch quests on the islands you're on. Um, you can continue to make progress through the through the tech tree design by going backwards and forwards to your main island and, and building up buildings there. You've got several side loops that offer an interesting extension of the core. Stuff like skills and owning pets and finding warp gates to fast travel and uh, then occasionally I mean I'm level 30 and, and I think the the main storyline progressing you into different islands has only kicked in twice and that's a fair amount of time but given the nature of these content heavy games I think that's unavoidable um, I generally didn't look at the dialogue past the tutorial uh, and I didn't care for the storyline at all but that's not usually something I care about in these kind of games they're always very very tied to the core loop and nothing interesting is going on with the characters and that's not what the game is about um, yeah I overall though I liked it I, I think it I liked it way more than I thought I would when I started playing it uh, which is you know sometimes par for the course you have to get into a game you know, at least a couple of hours, especially in mobile games, to, to really feel whether or not the core is working or, and and accurately judge what the problems are, I think. Uh, sometimes you can just tell right off the bat. Um, it's always something in Del Philadelphia, the game is, is a good example of that. Um, uh, yeah, I think this one's really well designed, and I, I think it's a very 
professionally developed game. I think there's a lot of experienced people working on this. Maybe the design progression was a little bit coder heavy, I would say, uh, in terms of the way they're generating their fetch quests. There could have been a bit more variety in the beginning of the game. It's just make a thing over and over again. There's nothing, well, there's, there's make a thing over and over again, and then there's go to a place and kill a thing and loot it and then come back. Those are the two main quests that their system generates. And that feels odd, I would say. <laughs> you know, any, any designer worth their salt could probably think of a couple more things to do. Um, like, uh, you know, there's too many examples, but hunting down specific animals, na named creatures that are boss monsters, having any kind of boss fight at all, uh, having any kind of end, end island content. Um, I'll just quickly explain the island system because I found that really confusing and maybe I'm wrong about it, but you have a, what was it called, tamed island that you go to where you do your, your core loop and then there is a hostile island or an untamed island which is the level generation and what it's doing is just creating a new island for you with new terrain that everyone else can, can um, collaborate on and that's where you get the higher level uh, requirements for crafting and so you're, you're kind of forced to do a little bit of cooperative play although it was very passive it wasn't like a uh, you know join with other players and, and beat a monster although I, th I believe there's a system where you can generate a communal island but only for your friends uh, it was trying to make me do that at level 30 and I just got really confused and couldn't figure out what the hell it was trying to tell me to do but what happened was at level 30 it just said sail to a random island and I click that button from my home island and it would deliver me in someone else's home island and I think what it wants you to do is collaboratively get together and and build up what's called a domain uh, a, a permanent base that you can sort you can collaborate with and and uh, build up um, yeah I don't know I think that's an interesting system they should have spent more time on and maybe rolled out a bit quicker but at the same time i prefer play these games kind of solo so it wouldn't really work on me i don't know mark what was your experience like uh so to talk about david's point about the aesthetic and art style i thought it was very reminiscent of the walking dead mobile game mm, um, yeah oh, i could yeah. see that yeah, it's like very muddy. Uh, it, it was actually very hard for me to figure out what I was standing on at most times because everything was just like just brown and dark green. Um, and I also was not a fan of tapping specific things to bring up like an interaction menu because there isn't anything highlighting what the items on the grounds are. So it was more like guesswork of like, can I tap this tree or not? Can I tap this, you know, piece of ground that might have a pebble on it or not? Like there weren't, there wasn't a great UI indicator. Wait, of what? Hmm? There, there is though. 
you may have turned it off. Oh. Yeah, there's uh, bottom. Yeah, there's there's actual labels yeah. on things. So in the bottom right, there's a there's a this happened to me. There's a there's a, a what looks like a search button. It's a magnifying glass button, and pressing that turns off the uh, in-game tags for all the uh, all the stuff on the ground. Well, I never turned it back on. So, whose fault is that? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was tutorialized at all i don't remember it being tutorialized but yeah that, that can i was happen. just smashing the uh, radar button i'm like is yeah. this a search is this a search but um all that does is point you in the in the in direction of, of nearby warp gates which are your your fast travel system on an island that you haven't explored yeah i mean so and i'm also not super into survival games myself and so i was sort of you know, apprehensive from the get-go. Uh, I loved the story scenes from selecting your character on the train. That train section in the beginning of the game was probably the best draw I've ever had in an MMO. Hmm. Like, there's a lot of bland MMO stories out there, usually involving fallen kingdoms and, you know, eons of curses and black magic or whatever. Um <laughs> But it was sort of refreshing to start in a train cart and, like, you're just chilling in this train cart going through this story of, you know, uh, getting a drink or whatever and having it ambushed with this crazy portal energy and dinosaurs appearing everywhere. It was very compelling, I have to admit. <laughs> so they they nailed that in getting that hook in, I think, in the beginning. Um yeah, and in terms of like the drive of the game, I've never fully went on the rails of the game loop. I never really were compelled to come back to the game in any way. Um, what what just, is what is kind of the like other than the fetch quests? Like, what is your kind of long term goal in this? It's not really very well designed in that regard I, I, I okay. these survival-esque games are purely about progressing through the loop over and over, over again and, and getting more recipes and and building more and more needs for those recipes and you know ad infinitum it's the minecraft style you know i want to exist in a world and create cool things and exist in the world better so it's a kind of, i think what they could have done better was the survival loop i just didn't feel like i was ever worried about dying and the appointment mechanic is kind of sort of the energy system that you every time you punch a tree or pick up a rock it takes some energy from you but um they if you if you play around with the game enough it kind of gives you enough energy refresh to make that not an issue so there are some appointment mechanics missing it has a daily login and uh obviously very very generated live ops quest content that seems like it's competitive but i didn't i couldn't interact with it until level 30 which i again thought was a strange enough choice but eh. it's um when it comes to your your island or your area on the tame island um like you're right in in minecraft like it's all just about uh you know the ever-increasing crafting and and surviving and stuff but there's also this aspect of being able to kind of build and create and and kind of put your stamp on the world and same with a game like don't starve 
right? It's a similar sort of thing. You're kind of trying to build and, and survive. Like, are you able to really like build kind of a homestead in this game or, or like what, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah, what's kind sure. of the limit of that, I guess? Uh, probably quite large uh based on what i had going it was uh you know from from stuff like building a smoke machine to a barbecue to like making something that can make plates that you can use to make your food better and like there's just it seems to be a ton of ton of recipes and uh i got to the point of extending my they call it domain and that ui was actually pretty well done for the complexity level of it it's a little bit buried but um i I started off with a small you know makeshift tent which was just made of leaves and eventually got to the point where i you know had a workbench and a you know a a better bigger tent and uh, a portal device that i could travel between different things and you can create all these different furniture items you know vanity stuff so there's a lot of content in there and i think if you wanted to do bigger bigger stuff you would probably have to work with other people or work for a long time to get it and uh yeah so okay it's got got a fair amount of content i don't don't think it does a very good job of advertising what the be all and end all could be putting that distant star in your line of sight and saying hey you could do this one day is probably yeah i i had no idea that that was an option in this game it's a strange thing about big mmos in in uh in on the phone it's fairly new as far as i can figure out i mean i know there's lineage and a bunch of other automatic style mmos that, that do this um I've never really seen one super successful and super clear about what's going on. Um, I think I played Lineage for maybe an hour before I just found it too, I don't know, weird and made my phone overheat. So Actually, (laughs) Actually, Lineage 2 is the most successful MMORPG on the phone and has been the most successful consistently in the genre. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying personally. Charts. I'm saying personally. Yeah, well, you're wrong. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Have you played it? Of course, of course, oh, of yeah. course. Okay. Um, well, what's the difference between we get, this and that? Before we get to you know other MMOs on the mobile, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Charles, is how does this game monetize? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got pop-ups uh, at the start offer, offering what I could only imagine would be better, more high-quality instant items for you. So if you if you get to a, an island past level thirty, it starts saying it starts slowing down the um, the XP and fatigue generation. Uh, by saying things like this island is rain soaked so you need a you know poncho or something to you need a level 20 poncho to remove this debuff and just so happens the thing that they're trying to sell you is a is a poncho on the first screen so um apart from that there's a lot of uh premium currency draining going on to just skip building times very standard stuff but their drip of currency is 
at least level ones to 30 is very, very high. So that really didn't seem like much of a problem. Um, I would say just a purely paid her progress model, but I didn't look into it quite a bit. So hmm. it was pretty removed from the game loop that you were in as a pretty early game engaged user. I would say so. Like if I, what we, David and I were talking about before about saying, hey, you can have this cool thing. There wasn't much of that. It was, you know, buy this raincoat type thing, which is, I would say bad, but it's in line with the needs of low level players. So I'm, I'm guessing they have level specific offers and they're in line with the, the kind of needs and wants of those players. So could be okay. I don't, as I said, I didn't, I just kind of ignored all their, their monetization. I was never even tempted to look at it because it's a pay to win, pay to progress model and progress is, is basically infinite in these type of games. So I never really buy, uh, I prefer to buy content. Right. Uh, just looking at all the different currencies that they have in the game, um, warp gems are used to purchase uh, items from the market to instantly complete actions. Like, you know, since the beginning of time in Facebook games for getting rid of those uh, time gates and uh, repairing items and buildings. Um, oh, I never and, counted that. Mm. Yeah, you could also they, they also try to sell you pets um from the market and yeah various different cosmetics obviously their event system and a lot of these mmorpgs on mobile they try to go hard on the you know live ops events sort of thing of like keeping the game content continuous to you know uh lesser or greater degree of success uh so yeah, I just found it interesting that most of this monetization stuff is blocked off for someone who might be already two hours into your game. And so they're basically banking on the fact that if you're uh, engaged enough to go through this game and you come back uh, as a day seven user, then they'll start, you know, trying to convert you, which is pretty stark uh, contrast to what most mobile games try to do these days. Do you know what their um, uh, their retention numbers are? Uh, I could try to look it up on App Annie. I just have the rank histories up here. Uh, it's not doing so hot after launch in terms of both download and grossing ranks. Uh, so let's see what user retention says. If they even have that. Um, store i'm just re-watching the uh the intro here the train sequence is pretty cool yeah they they put a lot of work on that and i like it yeah the, the yeah, yeah the there's like a, good. a three minute like cinematic and i guess they're kind i guess they're in this cinematic they're trying to show you maybe what you could progress to because they're showing you know groups of people working together riding dinosaurs to to go hunting and the, and luring giant t-rexes into you know obviously crafted traps and and showing you know a, mm -hmm. a um 
a town site with people crafting all their stuff and getting better gear and materials. Like they they are, I guess, showing it all here. But but when all you have is that train sequence, I don't know that that this is really like giving you a ton of context for <laughs> what all of that actually means <laughs> mechanically because it's a uh, um, it's just a cinematic, so it's not. It's not really showing you that it's a crafting game. It could be a fighting game, for all you know, at this point. But yeah, for, anyway. for, for mechanics, I mean, there's a wealth of MMO design out there that uh, I would have prioritized ahead of the stuff they they are doing. So Warhammer Online did their first. Uh, I think it's the first implementation of the um, area group quest or the passive group quest where it's just anyone in an area can contribute towards a goal and then that goal upgrades and you find a boss or something like that i mean that's that's pushing people into collaboration without having to do with clan mechanics or friend group mechanics and and just allows people to to just be in the area if they want to participate or leave if they don't uh something like that with a crafting system would work pretty well and or uh, you know deliver on the concept of fighting a big giant t-rex pretty early would have been yeah something to do maybe or i don't know like maybe something not as dangerous as a t-rex but uh yeah it's it's interesting they seem to have little bots going around doing things as well so uh i don't know there's there's plenty of stuff they could have done to make the initial experience more interesting before settling into the grind that it turns into very quickly and it's a low effort design grind as well so i think that doesn't help it that's probably why the numbers aren't really very good there's a lot of i don't know it's just a lot of repetition it's a very grindy game from the get-go mm-hmm. yeah it barely charts on uh google play uh for top overall games grossing let alone rpg grossing wow uh it doesn't even there's no blip on the top grossing after the first few days of launch which, interesting enough, it seems like they had a very long soft launch. Uh, their 1.0 build was actually April 19th, 2018. Hmm. Wow. That was a long time ago. <laughs> a very long time ago. So I don't know if it was just a fact of, like, you know, it's been long enough. Let's just get it out there and, uh, you know, reap in some ROI before you know not doing anything with this or something because like it's not doing so hot although well, the the system's design alone for this something like this would take a year to to play around with because it's hugely complicated yeah i'm not sure exactly which countries they decided to uh soft launch uh in april but it's actually in the 4.3 client release currently so they've definitely gotten a lot of updates since that soft launch. How long do you think it'll go on for? I mean, maybe it's got enough of a audience that would be willing to, you know, spend a bit here and there. Maybe they have a couple of whales or something, but doubt it. It's very, as you said, it's not doesn't look very successful. But you never know. Like something this niche may have enough of a a passive audience and organic installs to to be worth a team i don't right. know i mean it's 4.5 reviews on google play uh out of five and two hundred fifty three thousand reviewers 
uh, App Annie is saying there's about two hundred uh, three hundred thirty-eight thousand total downloads on Google Play. I mean, that seems like a good chunk of people that downloaded the game actually, you know, reviewed it. It's only made a quarter million, though, in revenue this entire time. Oh. (laughs) In Google Play. I'm not sure about uh, App Store. Uh, That being said, let's talk about... uh, Well, we're almost nearing our 30-minute soft cap on the Monday (laughs) Mobile podcast. Uh, but I'll just go quickly over through a few MMORPGs our listeners can sink their teeth into and think about when it comes to MMOs on mobile. Uh, obviously, the big success story that started the avalanche of all the publishers going ham on MMORPG creation was Lineage 2 by Netmarble. Uh, this one, I think, has very you know crunchy always a few um they have something called cp your character power that drives forward your progression because you always want to get to that next tier of character power and you can you know you could either grind out that character power or you could try your luck in the equipment gotchas but the overall game loop is very well tied with monetization and retention and you could definitely see that through their you know, early successes and their gradual decline from the charts, but still very successful overall and still going strong. It's obviously made by Netmarble and they've put in their Netmarble-esque engine of retention and monetization strategies UI on top of it. So you'll feel very at home if you ever played a Netmarble game uh, with Lineage 2. They, like Charles was saying, it has auto quests, uh, but you just tap the quest that you want to do and your dude will run to that place and then you can, you know, do auto combat if you wish. Uh, One thing about Durango is I don't know why they didn't do a conventional combat system, but the combat system felt really weird to me and felt like a friction that shouldn't have been iterated on, but they decided to create this weird turn-based real-time uh, a combat system that took me a while to figure out what was going on. Uh, do you think you guys... it's standard? Com- it seemed like standard MMO combat. Press the button for the different attack. Wait for it to cool down. I guess the aesthetics of those attacks, like kicking and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and lunging forward, didn't really translate to me as skills per se that a regular MMORPG would have. It seemed to me more of like a this yeah, is the, what you do with attacking. Um, it's like I don't a know. grounded aesthetic. It's a realistic like. Well, you can you can run up and kick a kick a dinosaur. There you go, and that's a power. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually I moved on to the bow, and uh, you know I've got a more traditional barrage ability that I'm that I'm using, and that feels pretty standard MMO like stuff. And positioning right. kind of matters, kind of doesn't matter because everything's on the server. But yeah, no, no, it's pretty standard to me. Uh, besides Lineage 2, uh, you can try the Ragnarok M, which came out this year. Uh, and Ragnarok is obviously a very old school MMORPG that many people except me played. And uh, it's basically using the Lineage 2 progression and monetization systems. And they are doing 
pretty well for themselves. Not as successful as Lineage 2 in terms of grossing and downloads, but definitely probably the second strongest MMORPG you could download currently in the market. Uh, Overhit by Nexon. Uh, I think it's Nexon. Let me double check. Uh, Overhit. I'm going to say it's Nexon. It feels like a Nexon thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is... Actually, no, sorry. Overhead, I'm thinking of something else. Overhead is a turn-based regular RPG game. It's okay. It has flashy graphics. I don't really like it. So moving forward from there, uh, <laughs> Dawn of Isles is a NetEase MMORPG that came out this year. And it has this beautiful shell, cell-shaded, uh, has a little bit of that survival stuff, but not as much as Durango. Um, it has about as much as Breath of the Wild, if you guys played that on the Switch. And it looks like Breath of the Wild, so obviously very inspired from it. Um, there's a litany of very, you know, cute-looking characters and monsters that you interact with. Uh, very charming. Um, it does not have a very strong monetization or retention sort of systems that aggressive, you know, Netmarble runs with, but... I would highly recommend checking that out. It's by NetEase. And finally, a Black Horse MMORPG that you guys should try, which came out last year, was uh, Man War Vampire. So Man War Vampire is a top-down sort of like uh, Dark Souls-ish, but cell-shaded looking turn-based combat, yet you're only, you know, uh, you only have one character at a time. Uh, survival sort of MMO that came out last year. And uh, it also doesn't have a very strong monetization or retention strategy in it, but it is also very stylistic and the combat is very crunchy and fun. So definitely should give that a go if you're looking for something like that. Cool. I might check out that one. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, highly. Uh, it, it, it seems to have a really cool lore. I just, you know, keep moving between all these games. Uh, if it was, you know, I, I always go back to it after installing it, so that's always a good sign. And, uh, yeah, so I think there's a lot of room for improvement for our MMOs when it comes to the MMOs that are in the mobile game market. I think it's important to... You know, do an MMO that hooks you in, that has the same retention bearings that other, you know, RPGs or even casual games strive for in the mobile game store. Just because you're an old trodden genre doesn't mean that you should not care about early retention mechanics that mobile games usually use and implement. Uh, So, and I think you know, Netmarble with Lineage 2 did that the most, and thus they are the most successful. Um, And, you know, their IPs don't hurt because Lineage is one of the original Korean MMOs that everyone played back in the day. But regardless, like, I think there's a lot of room for, you know, something like Dawn of Isles um, or Durango uh, if you, you know, really tightened up the early game loops and got people going with the bare essentials to, you know, get them back for day one, day two retention, I think would be very strong. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm worried mainly about the ability of phones and, and on the on a massive scale 
to be able to play these types of games. I think in maybe in Asia and parts of North America, it's there's a healthy enough user base with more recent phones to to make it worthwhile. But I just worry about the worldwide numbers about that kind of stuff and the amount of download that it needs. But that's increasing, becoming not not even an issue, obviously. But that's my only my only thoughts are probably just the risk that people are are not willing to take and not willing to develop. And I think with the rash of new games that you just mentioned, it's, that's no longer going to be the case, I'm sure. It's it's just really expensive to develop these games, and their systems require very experienced, you know, uh, on-the-ball design. So it's a, it's a difficult niche to get into, I think. You need to throw a lot yeah, of money on yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a huge startup cost to creating an expansive MMO game. Yeah, something like Durango looks like to be, I would say, at least two to three years of development with a pretty hefty team. And yeah, it's just, just it's going to be a lot of money. David? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you said it before, you know, just because you're trying to make kind of a a fully fleshed out MMO experience and bring that to mobile doesn't mean... Uh, that you can ignore some of the some of the conventional wisdom or some of the lessons that other mobile games have already learned and and just include that in your game uh yeah would you like to play an mmo on your phone me yeah 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 i definitely i was definitely looking forward to this in that um in that aspect i i wanted to like I enjoy MMOs and, and certainly having kind of a lighter MMO experience that I can always take with me is something that appeals. Um, this wasn't it. So <laughs> I, I'm probably going to try out some of the other ones that you'd mentioned. It's sort of ironic that, you know, what draws World of Warcraft to be so successful and have such a great community of millions of players is their guild system which mobile games have always tried to go towards regardless of genre. And yet it seems like these MMOs that came out specifically for mobile doesn't have that strong of a social push from the get-go. Like it's buried deep within, you know, hour three or four of the, the you know, game session. So I, I find that interesting. I feel like it's such a slow burn genre that, you definitely have to switch up what you're introducing if it was a PC game, uh, perhaps. Yeah, like really trying to improve the UX of posting messages and putting that into the core loop somehow. I mean, there, yeah, it's. I don't think we've seen a game able to do that though. Yeah, and it's probably what you said the high upfront costs of this sort of thing might not be worth it or worth the risk for most of these companies. In development, social always tends to come last because it's really hard to develop and it's really hard to, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just, it's always an afterthought. The systems tend to not be part of the same thrust of development as other systems, uh, at least in the game teams I've been a part of. It's always like online has always been an afterthought. It's weird. Yeah, and besides Lineage 2, most of these games I talked about for MMOs just came out within this year or last year, so uh, we're 
probably going to see more and more MMOs come out that try to innovate and try to, you know, become success stories in the App Store or Google Play Store. So pretty excited to see what comes down the pipeline later. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that does it for episode 21 for a Monday Mobile Podcast. And uh, until next time, happy mobile gaming. See ya. Bye.